When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Welcome, listeners, to The Extrench. My name's Windy, and I'm joined by my sidekick and best friend, Body. Hello, Body. God save the king! <laughs> and our tactics guy, and a man who is absolutely, definitely, 100% cursed, is Nathan A. Clark. Hello, Nathan. That is me. The Clark curse has struck again. I, it's, the, the, the success rate is incredible. I, I spent the last couple of weeks uh, preparing, and then last night... Uh, recorded for about an hour not last night sorry saturday night now recorded for about an hour a video on vincent company and then sunday afternoon it's announced he signed a, a five-year contract with burnley so um Ooh. i was i was meant to edit that last night and put it out last night but for some reason i, I lost a bit of momentum <laughs> in, in wanting to do that i think it's worth still doing it for two reasons firstly burnley's company company's burnley I should say, rather enjoyable watch. Like, I think people just enjoy watching them and understanding what he's about. And secondly, sure. there's 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 a tiny chance that it's a kind of protecting value thing. Maybe they they know that there's a lot of interest in him from bigger clubs for obvious reasons, and perhaps there's a clause. Perhaps there's a release clause. I remember saying the exact same thing when I made a video about Ten Hag, and then he signed yeah. a new contract <laughs> before I could release the video. <laughs> Um, and then he, you know, and then he went to United that same summer, I think. So I guess that was kind of true, but yeah, not in a way that was yeah, relevant that's to Spurs. True. Yeah, mm. I don't know. For the ten people who subscribe to the sub who aren't Spurs fans, but just like analysis generally, it'd be great for them. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, before we start, just I want to say a big thank you to John Peak um, for reasons that I won't disclose, but John really appreciated. Thank you so much. Um, well, this is a nice question. This is from Mac, our friend Mac, who says, with the news that PSG were reportedly playing, paying journalists up to £1,000 to be positive about the club, what would be your most positive take about Tottenham if you were being bribed to, bribed to give one? Bardi, what would be your most positive take about Spurs for a grand? That they take into account the fans, that they listen to the fans as well, I think. But then people probably know that I'm being paid off to say that. <laughs> 100%. We are, yeah, we are actually a mouthpiece of Tottenham. So I, I think anything where I, I praise the club for taking into consideration its paying punters, I think then that would probably... I'll take the money for that. Nathan, could you could you be paid to say anything positive about Spurs? It's tough, isn't it? It's tough. I, I Probably quite a few people would already accuse us of being too positive about Spurs. Yeah. Many others would accuse us of being too negative, right? Obviously, but that's kind of the way things go. It's, um, I don't know, what's like one step up from where we're at? Maybe it's like Barty said, it's about saying that they care about the fans. <laughs> I don't know. It would be something like, um, 
Like, well, he sort of had to go along with the Super League because he didn't have any choice, that sort of thing. Ugh. Yeah. Well, I did kind of say that. Um, <laughs> and you didn't even that's... cash in. <laughs> no, well, you I mug. <laughs> it paid for it paid for some, my new decking in my garden. Nice. <laughs> There's several bodies buried underneath that decking. I, I <laughs> never never have it torn up, Bardi. <laughs> that's why I did um, composite, not wood. So it never twenty five year guarantee. I'll be nice. gone in twenty five years. Yeah, nice. Wendy. How much to say that Stratford's actually quite a nice area to to travel to? Oh Jesus Christ. I'd, I'd, I'd want I'd want enough to never have to show my face in public again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah half, half a mil. <laughs> the Elizabeth line is is pretty handy, Tottenham. If you've got a spare thousand pounds knocking around, I'm more than happy to do a little promo on the the ability to get from central London to east London pretty quick on that line. Uh, I was going to say uh, <laughs> I was going to say I'd take a grand to say that the Pochettino uh, era at Spurs, the peak Pochettino years, were better than a hundred trophies. But uh, I said that for free. So um, let's let's talk about Crystal Palace. Thirty-eight-one uh, nils, Bardi. Talk to me. We're here on the way. Just um, thirty-seven left. I was. Are you, are you fully Mason in now? Yeah, I, I do like. I he made one key decision, which we'll probably get into, which immediately made me think he knows what he's doing. This guy, he's he's had a think. He sat down, watched some tape. And he's realised that there's a, a massive giant sofa in the middle of our defence <laughs> who doesn't do anything. And he replaced the sofa and we look good. Um, I took my sister to her first um, Tottenham match. She's, as I said a few weeks ago, she's decided to become a Spurs fan for some strange reason at this moment in time. Incredible timing. So I took, yeah, I know. Unbelievable. So I took her to this game and she had a thoroughly good time um, watching watching the mighty Spurs start on the dream of 38 one nils in a row. <laughs> So um, normally we start the team selection. This time I'm going to start with a quote from Harry Kane because I think it it, it identifies why the team selection was the team selection and also does some really decent analysis. So this is what Kane said. Full credit to him for the approach against Palace. It was his first proper week. Last week wasn't really a week because we played two games in four days. It was his first week of training and preparation. Obviously we changed the system a bit without the ball to go 4-4-2 then with the ball to do what we're used to with the 3-4-3 but to keep possession a little bit more to be a bit more patient with the ball and not force it forward as quickly I thought we controlled large spells of the game I still think we're lacking a bit of confidence in certain areas when under pressure getting out of tight spaces but that will come that comes with working and training full credit to Ryan for making those decisions um, really glad we've been able to win and keep a clean sheet so as Kane says, there's a, there's been a tactical tweak in this match reflected in the team selection, and that saw Emerson Royale come in. I think we all assumed that he was going to be playing a right-sided centre-back role. Little did we know he was going to be playing a right-sided centre-back uh, and right full-back um, joint role, essentially. 4-4-2 um, without the ball, 3-4-3 with the ball. Really interesting uh, tactical shift, I thought, uh, particularly interesting because lots of people have said that Romero can't play in a back four. Uh, lots of people said the Spurs can't play in a back four with their with their current personnel. I think we perhaps went some way towards showing that we, we can do that um, when we don't have the ball. Um, what we know about Crystal Palace is under Roy Hodgson, they, they're very compact. They're very difficult to break down. They pack out the midfield and they did that in this game. They, they defended in a 4-1-4-1 shape. Um, with Decore sat in front of their defence and then Schlupp and Eze sort of sitting but asked to press one at a time. Very, very tricky to break down. So I feel like we did a good job of, of having some nice wing play, some some nice sort of movement and interplay on the wings to unlock 
our wide players. Nathan, thoughts on this four four two three four three hybrid? Uh, I really like it. I think it was a really, really good idea. I think it gets the best out of several individual players. Um, I think it. Um, you know, obviously, a couple of weeks ago, we experimented with the back four because it was necessary to do so, but we, we misstepped in in the actual function of the individual players who make up that back four. Um, and this was a really, really nice idea, a really nice solution. Um, yeah, man. I um, Last week, last week on the podcast, I spoke about how Mason's been making a bunch of mid-game adjustments. And they're really good adjustments, but actually coaching a team is a very different skill that I don't I can't even comprehend right this is not something that you can just say oh hey guys let's do a 3-4-3 in possession a 4-4-2 out position I mean you can try do that mid-game maybe but this is something that's clearly been coached and worked on and, and practiced and um again yeah maybe it's the kind of thing that you could just say at half time and ask your team to do um but when you ask a team to do things like this it can be really risky if you get it wrong if you get the transitions between one shape and another shape wrong if if you allow the opposition to um, pounce in those moments when you're moving between one shape and therefore players are moving between different given responsibilities it can be really really messy and uh palace obviously aren't going to be um the greatest test in the world they're on a good run of form um they've got some good especially um attacking midfield um players um but i was really impressed i was really impressed it wasn't the most exciting game of all time um but the main thing that it meant is that uh we were able to actually go ahead and press the opposition in the middle of the pitch which is something that we have struggled with very badly all season um and we sort of largely kept it up for i don't know around 70 minutes or so um I mean, four four two is kind of the most common pressing shape across world football, right? Um, and trying to press in that three four three, the problem is is when you've got a single player in a wide area on each flank, you've got a wing back, and basically they have to either go all the way <laughs> or stay back all the way, and, and either of those can be a death sentence. Either you're failing to put any pressure on the opposition's deep wide players, or you're leaving their advanced wide players completely open in behind. Um, so yeah, four four two press high, um, just really really nicely works. You know, I I stand by my general position, which is that um, Romero in the middle of a back three is a terrifying idea defensively. Emerson Royale as a right centre back is a terrifying idea defensively. Um, but it's also kind of what we needed in possession, right? When we tried to play back four in possession, because um, everything we've been coached on for the last 18 months is based on the positional and relational concepts around being spaced in a 3-4-3. <laughs> Moving away from that, sometimes a 3-5-2. Moving away from that can really break your brain in trying to like guess where your teammates are, are meant to be. Um, so, yeah, just just really, really good. Nothing more to it than that, to be honest. I, I'm, I'm really impressed. I think um, if you take if you take the Spurs team and you remove two players who are really underperforming badly and just put in two people who are just fine, I think immediately there's there's a there's a massive change. So Dyer was all over the place against Liverpool and replacing him with Romero, um, with Emerson and then Lloris has been all over the place putting Forster in there. Has, immediately there's an, a huge improvement and I really liked Emerson in that role. I thought he was great at covering. I thought he was great at underlapping and he looked like the old Emerson, the one that was really good before he got injured. 
injured. And I think he was really nice in that position. And it's not something, you know, we've talked about this a few times about him playing right side of centre-back. It's not a new thing where a defensive right-back can kind of fit in there. Espelicueta's done it. Damian's doing it now for, for Inter while Skriniar's injured. So it, it does work. There is history to it. And um, long may it continue. It's nice. Keeping Dyer out of the team is always a good thing. <laughs> uh, so we did have a question specifically about that right-hand side from HTRB, whose Twitter handle is jbyparanoid. Uh, it says, is this answer, is this the answer to a number of problems? Royale is actually one of the centre-backs we need, question mark. There's a, there's a space slash right position for Porro and Spence to do well, question mark. A coach who is tactically flexible could quickly get more out of the squad, question mark. Yeah, I mean, I do think that this is one potential solution. I personally... Um, wouldn't want to go into next season with Emerson Royale as first choice right centre back or right back. I think we should be looking to improve in terms of um, ball progression in that area. But I think he did a really, really tidy job against Crystal Palace. I think it unlocked Pedro Porro, who is already one of my favourite players. I, th- I just absolutely love watching him play. He's so fun, so lively. Um, I feel like Pedro Porro really peps up the rest of the team. Um, and the fans as well, you know, he's, he's constantly trying to get the fans revved up a bit. And I, and I really like, I really appreciate him for that. I kind of think of him as being essentially a better version of Kieran Trippier. He's much more mobile and dynamic than Trippier and he can actually take a man on. But he's got that kind of similar pass up the line potential or the fantastic delivery from dead ball and, um, and on the run. Um, and obviously he got another assist for Harry Kane. I think that's... That's something we're going to see a lot of the Pedro Porro back post cross with with Kane climbing. If as as long as they're both here next season, um, I I really liked and appreciated the the team selection. Uh, just on Nathan's point about the pressing, I do think it was really notable in this game that we pressed a lot higher than we have in recent games. Um, I think obviously Richarlison starting will offer that because he's so good, at, he's so tenacious and so good at the press, at, 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 um, starting the press, starting, uh, if I can get my words out, starting the press. But I also thought Harry Kane pressed really, mm. really effectively, really effectively. And I um, I put something on Twitter because I was keen to know whether he'd ended up covering more kilometres in this game. Um, and I'm reliably informed by people who have access to the opt data that Kane has averaged about 10.3 kilometers per match this season. In this game, he covered 10.5, so not a massive increase on previous matches. Um, but the interesting thing is he covered 11.2 against Liverpool, 10.8 against Newcastle, 10.1 against Bournemouth, and 10.8 against Brighton. So four out of five of the last Four out of five of the last five, he's been above his season average. I'm wondering if there's something in that. It could just be that there's one game a week now, of course. Um, but I think it's something to keep an eye on. I don't think it's a trend we can hang our hats on yet, but there's something potentially there. And I thought he did a really effective job um, for the team with his pressing from the front and was really well supported. I mean, Pedro Porro's pressing was also really excellent, I noticed. Uh, very impressed with that. Very tenacious. There's a couple of incidents at the start of the second half where he was just snapping into tackles and it really helped keep the tempo up. Really, really helpful. Um, although we didn't create much in this game, I, I think Palace are a very difficult opposition to break down and I thought there were some good ideas and I liked it. I especially liked it on rewatching it. 
There was um, another lovely pass from Romero into Sun. Oh yeah, gorgeous. Could have been like two games in a row, and I just it just gives us so much more there in the middle. He can he charges out and wins tackles, or at least brings someone down and doesn't doesn't off the book. He just covers a, a, around a lot better, and I think Spurs could just play a higher line with him and Emerson 100%. In, in the back three, and it, it worked nicely. Ben Davies, Longley, they could almost kind of work together in the same way Romero and. Um, uh, the same way as Emerson and Poro did. It was it was nice. It was only one nil, but it was a it was a fairly comfortable one nil, and it was quite a nice one in in, in one nil ways. Uh, Longley, I thought, had a really good game actually. Um, aside from the rugby tackle, which he seems to have injured himself in uh, attempting, um, but he was really important for the goal. He he did a good job to shepherd the ball out to win a throw, and then quickly took the throw himself. Um, and then was heavily involved in the, the possession play at the back. So there were 34 seconds between Longley taking the throw and Harry Kane heading at the back post. But there was some quite neat, uh, patient possession play at the back, which allowed us to step up. And it was Longley adding a bit of impetus, passing into Skip, striding forward a couple of steps, receiving it back, and then being able to feed Davis that bit higher. And then Davis plays a really nice ball into Kane, who switches it really nicely out wide to Porro, who, who gets the cross in. Um, but I thought Longley's um, role in that goal was was really, really pivotal. So you mentioned Kane's running distance in this game. Um, this season, we have averaged um, a PPDA. So the number of passes we allow the opposition to make before we've made a tackle or an interception or a block. Um, we've allowed an average of 12.75 passes before we've stopped them, right? Against Palace, um, we kept them to 7.8 passes. Oh, wow. So I've um, been meaning to to scrape <laughs> to get a table of every game and, and the PPDA from each given game, but I'd imagine that's going to be one of our better ones Ooh. this season, um, possibly the, the fewest passes the, we kept the opposition to. Obviously, they're Hodgson's Palace, and they're going to be a yeah. fairly direct team. To me, the person selection, the personnel selection, is more about us wanting to do this formation trick than than anything else. But if you want to make a case that he he's dropped Eric Dyer, I'm I'm sympathetic to that. I think equally equally there's a takeaway. You could argue that Pedro Porro is too offensively minded to play even a wing back role against Crystal Palace. That he has to play right midfield, and you're right to to pick him up on his good pressing and him being a, a good front foot aggressive defender. Mm-hmm. What well, in this situation, right midfielder, mm-hmm. but but um, freed from the defensive duties of being a right back. Uh, he's a tricky one. He's a tricky yeah. One. You, you you wouldn't want him one on one against Wilfred Zaha for sure. I think there's really nice level of protection there with Emerson Royale and Pedro Porro. Um, I mean, I guess you pointed out that they've made the changes to allow for the, the, the tactical tweak. You could even say that it's potentially opposition specific because Palace's best players are their two front wide players, Zaha mm-hmm. and Elise, and this allowed us to have more coverage on the flanks, I would say. Elise is so good, man. He's I really wicked, just love he? watching him play football. Silky player. Uh, we've got a question from RR10 about Skip. Uh, he says, Skip's data is quite poor and has been throughout his career. Interested to hear Wendy's thoughts on this, as I know he uses data to help judge players. I feel like this data profile is glossed over as it's negative, whilst other players' profiles are relied upon heavily for players who are not necessarily one of our own. Um, and we have been a little critical of Skip recently, and I think rightly so. I don't think Skip has had a particularly strong end to the season. He's had some good games, but I think he's had several sort of stodgy games um 
And he's certainly not developing into the player that I hoped he would, although I still think he's a good, solid Premier League player. Um, I don't know if it was on last week's pod or the live Q&A pod we did in the week, but I am very prepared for us to sell K- sell Skip sorry, in the in the summer, if needs be, if we have, if we have enough homegrown players. But yeah, yeah his, his data is not looking great, is it, Nathan? Huh. I... Uh... I really dislike this question because I'm going to have to be honest on on the main podcast. I think that his data isn't that great because he's not that great. Um, it's it's also simultaneously true that he's like outperformed Basuma this season, right? Who's mm-hmm. who's a a very good player. Um, I said on on that midweek podcast, I do think Skip is a Premier League level player, probably just not a top end of the Premier League level player. And um, I don't know, maybe he's an okay like homegrown squad option, not terrible to to keep around. Like with a Scott McTominay type. Yeah, yeah, but but with the number of of midfielders in our squad who That's profile it. like him, uh, it's kind of difficult. So, uh, but. You know, we've given a lot of leeway this season to various individual players, given how poorly the team as a whole has functioned. Um, and he's still a younger player, so maybe there's room for some development there. For sure. I just, I just um, my gut feeling is that there isn't a huge leap that's going to come from him. I'm all right with keeping Skip. He's the youngest player. He was our youngest player on the pitch. He outpassed. Okay. He outpassed Joyber. He did more passes, more progressive passes, everything else. If, if we're going to go stats versus, if we're going to go, going to use stats, and we go against the ultimate stat padder, we might as well <laughs> talk about skip stats. And he he buried Joyber on on Saturday. I'm fine with keeping him around. He's homegrown. We're really short of homegrown. Keep him in the squad. Let him see how he develops. He's had a funny old season. Um, he had his pubic injury. He's come back from that, and he's been thrown into this team. Keep, give, let's give him another chance. Yeah, I, I mean, I, just, I think Nathan's point about the number of midfielders is um, is the one, isn't it? Because we we are just so well stocked in that area, and the problem is they're all so samey. So, but they don't have passports. So he does. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 true. It's true. It's that's that's the benefit he brings that he's the same as some of the others, but homegrown, which yeah. it does set him apart slightly. Um, if we lose Kane, for example, then if Kane goes in the summer, then we're really we're starting to get really short on on English players. Yeah, I mean, I do think we need to rectify that with some of the transfer business in the summer. And on that Great. midweek pod, I I said that Rayo, Gerhi, and Madison would be really obvious signings for me. All all of whom qualify as homegrown players. I think they would all be improvements for us. Also, um. Petter has said, quite a few of my Spurs supporting friends don't really understand why Ben Davis continues to be picked by every manager. Despite the obvious, work rate, all-rounder, all-round okay, etc., they wonder how he contributes. As I watched the match yesterday, I was thinking that his infield passing alleviates one of our main issues since Dembele, to give our midfielders the ball while facing forwards. I haven't watched it systematically, but might that be the reason we need him? Uh, and I would say it's worth noting that Davis plays the pass into Kane, which then helps unlock Porro on the right in the build-up to the goal. Uh, ben Davis is a really good p- passer. He passes really well in field. Um, what else does he offer, do you think, that, that means that he gets picked over others? Versatility. He's played yeah. left wing-back, left centre-back, left-back. He's um, he's a player we need to upgrade, but he's another player that I don't mind having around the squad because of his versatility. And you're right, his, his passing inside is quite good. Do you know what he also has? He has an almighty shot as well. <laughs> he can really smack it, and he doesn't get to do it often. So I'd like to see him smack the ball a bit more. <laughs> yeah, the versatility is incredibly useful, and I do think Ben Davis 
has drastically improved as a player as he's got older. Yeah. I, I, I really feel like over the last three seasons, uh, he's become a better all-round player. I know he did some really good stuff for Pochettino as a left wing back, but he was quite inconsistent. I think as he's matured, he makes better decisions. Uh, he's a very solid defender these days. He's not exceptional, but he has a lot of useful qualities and seems to be a really good person as well, which is which is helpful. Yeah, he, he's not one I'd be in a rush to sell this summer, but equally, like, absolutely, we should be looking for better players than Ben Davis in the long run. In the, in the famous... Everyone talks about Rose and Walker, but it, mm. Ben Davies played more games that season than Danny Rose, you know? Yeah, yeah. I also thought it was interesting in this game that uh, Richarlison was attempting a lot of like switches of play. I felt like that might have been an instruction. You know, when the ball came into his feet, he was looking wide and getting it out wide early. Um, we played lots of one and two touch stuff in this game. Players weren't taking many touches of the ball. Yeah, uh, but but definitely a, a big focus on switching the play from the whole team. A lot of focus mm-hmm. on overloading one side, working the ball backwards to go to the the opposite side. Um, a very big thing in this game. Um, and then, in fact, that's where the goal comes from. Is Harry Kane hits a magnificent blind yeah. over the shoulder switch yeah. out to Poro, mm. who has all the space in the world to make a correct decision for for once. <laughs> oh, brutal. <laughs> You're not loving Poro so far, do you? <laughs> no, the thing is that like I'm joyfully amused by how ludicrous he is. I he, I don't hold it against him. He is going to be a cult hero. He is. Yeah. 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 He's and he's going to get smile. lots of assists. He's going to yeah, get tons yeah. and tons of assists every season. He's also going to assist the opposition several times every season. He's also going to waste the opportunity to double the number of assists he could have if he didn't choose to turn it onto his left foot and shoot from facing backwards <laughs> to, his, to the goal. The ultimate volume player. Yeah. yeah. Really uh, his set pieces are really good as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Really, really Just helpful. Just because he has to hit the ball towards another player. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he, he nearly got an assist, didn't he, for Romero with the header that uh, came off the bar. Um, so it could have been two. I, I feel really like... Not- He's Sorry, really not buddy. a windy player. He's really not. I didn't think you'd like him, Windy, because I think the most exciting fullback you've ever liked is Philip Lahm. That's your kind of like just steps inside and just passes it sideways. <laughs> it was good, but he's just not a windy player. I think um, I really like a fullback who who can pass the ball and run with the ball, and and he could do both, and I, I appreciate that in him. Trippier could do one. Yeah. Uh, Walker could do one. The other. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, Poro can do both and and I feel like I'm already a bit defensive of him because we knew about his defensive frailties before we signed mm-hmm. him this is not an unknown part of his game that's suddenly being brought to light and so people sort of criticising his defensive game I th- I'm kind of wanting to shake them and say yes but look at all the other fun things he can do like you kind of just have to ignore that stuff because we know it's there and we've got to set up a team to allow for it I think he can improve defensively I definitely think with the right coach he can improve defensively and I think the team needs to be set up to allow him to make mistakes ultimately because I think there's going to be a lot of productivity coming from his side of the pitch. Very excited to see uh, Poro and Udoji in the same in the same lineup. That's that's going to be fun next season for sure. I feel like um, of all of the sort of video scouting reports I've done on players, I nailed Poro the best. I feel like every single game. Um, everything I said about him rings <laughs> true again Absolutely. and again. Absolutely. He's kind of a caricature of himself you know, in an excellent way. Yeah. So um, one of the other things we were talking about in our midweek live Q&A pod, and if you're interested in, in hearing this or future live Q&As, patreon.com forward slash the extra inch. We've got a, a fantastic community of people 
Um, we had about 100 people listening to the live Q&A on Discord, and then people can listen back at the time of their choosing, of course. Um, we've got videos, we've got other podcasts, which we put out solely to the X-Sub, so, so get involved there if you're interested. Uh, one of the things we spoke about was the lack of sporting directors being linked. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Lo and behold, since that podcast went live, we've been linked with two, um, one of whom is uh, Johannes or Johan Spohr. Uh, Nathan, do you want to say something about Johannes Spohr? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's he's the guy. He's this is a grown up. This, this is a real sporting director, man. I um, I've asked around and um, I really think that we've got to find a way to make this happen. Um he there's 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 um there's a few things that i tweeted out there was uh or that was sent to me even there was a, a video interview with a, a small time italian uh youtube channel when he was from his time at genoa which is actually where he's still contracted to kind of um guardian and peace on his time with um uh, Vitessa. Um, there was one that I was sent a brief one touching on his time with, with Leipzig. Um, so he sort of he talks a good game, but then I think Paratici kind of talks a good game too. Um, but whereas uh, Paratici talked about like the importance of buying young players, Spores will talk about the importance of like a top down approach, right? Uh, about deciding on your style of play and then recruiting both coaches and players around um, the 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 way that you of a club has decided to play in advance of bringing in a, a given coach. Um, also about young players, um, I I've heard that he isn't necessarily a super data versed himself, but is very keen and confident working in and around other people who use data heavily and, and linking the, the two, you know, traditional scouting, video scouting and, and data together. Um, that he's, that he's got a really, really good eye for players. Um, yeah, we <laughs> got to get this guy in for sure. It's very exciting. Buddy, are, are you, are you interested in Johannes Spore? Sounds good. Sign him up, Wendy. <laughs> the other sporting director linked is uh, Lee Dykes, who is the current sporting director at Brentford, fairly recently appointed in that position. Previously, he was a head of recruitment at Brentford, 
and he's also worked at um, Berry, amongst others. Um, yeah, I tried I mean, to do a bit of research on him. There's there are a few bits and pieces with him online. Uh, several kind of interview, like there's post transfer window interview on the Brentford website, mm. which isn't that revealing. He did a masters in essentially how to be a sporting director at the uh, at a private university, and uh, he, he you know Brentford recruit really well, really generally well. really well, but. He did spend thirty million on Damsgaard, Lewis Potter, and Aaron Hickey, uh, which is a lot of money for Brentford. And no, none of those three have done exceptionally well this season. They haven't torn up any trees. So I think you can say like he, he's he's made a gamble that hasn't necessarily paid off in that case. But you know, Brentford generally are top notch for recruitment. Um, yeah. Anything else you want to add on Lee Dykes? No, I, I'll just echo what you said that the Brentford are a remarkably well-run operation, um, top-down, done excellent work in the long term. Even if there's been some some more recent stuff that hasn't gone that well. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I don't know Brentford's um, structure inside out. I don't know who else may be involved with decision making. What power he had when he was head of recruitment versus what power he has now as sporting director and that sort of stuff. Um, but the Brentford operation as a whole. Um, it's been really, really, really impressive. So they focus on trying to find players who are undervalued by the market. That's mm. their that's their recruitment strategy. They also have a B team, and he was recruiting to the B team. Uh, one of the players he signed to the B team a couple of years back has ended up joining uh, Swansea in the Championship, which I think he would absolutely see as a success. He's taken a player from non-league, given him some experience for Brentford's first team as a sub in various matches and then got him a, a, a another club that are doing well in Swansea. So that's interesting to me as well. He's just not quite as um, sexy, is it really? Lee Dykes. No, no, it's not. It's not. And someone has already changed Johannes Spohr's uh, Wikipedia page to John Spurs, which I I really appreciate the, the speed of making that happen. Uh, well done, I Spurs like, fans. I like my um, sporting directors either to have um, a bit of tech, like a black box, or have like um, a continental name. Just you just think hmm. you know more, don't they? Don't you? Yeah. Um, do you want a bit of ITK? Oh, go on then. It's got to be nonsense because there's no such thing. But go go for it. So one of our listeners, um, let's say, who is very well connected, has has written to us with some. ITK that sounds totally unbelievable, but uh, I'm going to choose to trust it. Can you reveal their name? No, I can't. I absolutely cannot That's reveal it. their there name. There you go. So it could yeah. be any. Could be. It, this could. Let, let's call them. Um, let's call them the mountain. The mountain uh, lion. That's. <laughs> this is from the mountain lion. Um, so he said, "You mentioned." Oh, I said, "He." I've revealed. I've revealed it's a man. Ninety-eight percent of our listeners are men. Uh, you mentioned that you would be fascinated to know how Daniel Levy came to appoint Poch. I do have an account from someone who was there at that fateful moment, and the kicker is that Daniel was not there at all. In fact, Joe Lewis was having lunch on his boat in the Bahamas, attended by his daughter's then partner Craig Johnston, the former Liverpool player and Australian international, and Kenny Dalglish. It was Kenny who persuaded Joe that the young Southampton manager at the time would be a perfect fit for Tottenham, and it was Joe Lewis who told Daniel Levy to get it done. How intriguing. Um, the thought that, 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 you know, we hate the idea that Daniel Levy 
get so involved in the the football side of the club. Yeah. The idea that his boss, who knows even less about football than him, would get involved is infuriating. But, you know, if it ended up with Pochettino being appointed, then... <sighs> I'm going to call know. nonsense on this because it's oh, like... Um, <laughs> it's like that... Um, if you if you watch Hamilton, where they, they sing a song in the room where it happens, everyone's desperate to be in the room where something big happens. And So your ITK wasn't in the room, but his mate's mate was in the room where it happened, where Joe Lewis was having dinner with the guy that invented Predator football boots. And between them, they decided to appoint Pochettino. I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to raise a little flag of bullshit on that one. Mm. So I can confirm just through 30 seconds of research that Craig Johnston uh, was engaged to Lewis's daughter, Vivian. Uh, so okay. that, that tracks. Okay. I mean, it'd be a weird thing to make up on that basis, wouldn't it? <laughs> it's, obviously, it, it feels far-fetched, but it's, like, it's also, we know that it's, it's pretty well-sourced. It's like for me, it's it's so distressing that that makes me believe that it's true. It's <laughs> yeah. so upsetting and so stupid and so typical of football yeah. um, in the most frustrating way that I'm like, yeah, I fucking bet, I fucking bet that this club stumbled into the best thing it's done in sixty years because a billionaire on a boat spoke <laughs> to a guy who knows a guy and was impressed. They probably knew about Pochettino, but they sat there making small talk. Craig Johnson's, I'm not going to do an Australian accent, he's just gone, oh, that Pochettino at Southampton, he's pretty good. And Joe no, it's, gone, it's, oh. Ken, it's Kenny Dalgleish who's, who's made the made the recommendation. Oh. I mean, I, I, I'd love to hear Kenny Dalgleish pronounce Mauricio Pochettino in his, <laughs> in his very thick accent. I think that would be hilarious. Um, really appreciate the person who sent this to us sending it. Um, and, and, you know, they said nice things about the podcast as well, which is appreciated. Okay. I, take, I, I believe it. <laughs> it's I believe true now, yeah. I, It's <laughs> totally true. Um, let, let, me, let me follow up on the stuff about Pochettino with this one. This is from Dylan Mason. He says, I'll start off by saying I do love the content you guys provide, and no matter what takes you have, I'll always listen. You may or may not decide to share this, but here it goes. I'm Australian, and I just can't understand thinking that because someone was once a part of your club, they can't move to a rival. I first noticed it when Twitter was in an outrage because Ericsson signed with United, even though we didn't want him. Now with Potts, it's just gone to another level. We have all acknowledged that if we wanted him at our club, he would have been hired by now, so we clearly don't. Any manager's goal is to manage the biggest clubs in the biggest leagues. To say that he could just go and coach anywhere, I find incredibly naive. Of course he can coach anywhere, but apparently he's meant to turn down a role at Chelsea to go to, to go to coach in a farmer's league just because he wants coach Spurs, who sacked him and then didn't want him back. It's absurd. I remember when one of the all-time greats of my AFL club retired and took his first job at one of our biggest rivals. I was livid and I hated it. I was also 14 years old. One of your worst takes, but hey, maybe I'm just Aussie and don't understand. I I think he's I think Dylan is correct on this. I think we need to, as a fan base, kind of get over this. As um, unless the European Super League happens, the Premier League is just going to split further and further away from other other club, other divisions, and the money is going to have to be kind of spent internally. We're going to have to start selling players to rivals. We're going to have to start appointing previous rivals, managers, and stuff like what well, we have. We have been doing that anyway. So I think we need to kind of get over it. Conte's man. Managed Juventus and he managed Inter and Chelotti's uh, jumped around. Chelotti's done Juve and Milan. 
players have moved over the years quite successfully between the two Milan clubs. And I think we need to get over this. There was times when we could have sold Eric Dyer for 50 million to United. We, we should have just done that. We, we sold Walker. We got a great price for Walker to City. And I think we just need to kind of relax our, our kind of opinions on it and get ready to do more of this kind of moving in between Premier League clubs unless the Super League happens. And in that case, everybody's got money and we can start selling players and buying players elsewhere. I, I have absolutely no issue with Ericsson going to Man United. Didn't yep. didn't bat an eye, eyelash at all. Not not a problem to me. No issue with Kyle Walker going to Man City either. I literally don't care which clubs we sell players to or managers go to unless it's Arsenal, Chelsea or West Ham. And then I care a lot. And I appreciate that not everyone will feel the same way. And I think there was a lot of anger at the fact that we hadn't gone for Pochettino again when he was right there, he was available. Um, and so people sort of saw it as, how can you blame him? We're, we're rejecting him. And therefore, if he wants to go to one of our biggest rivals, he should do that to spite us. I think that was kind of like a temporary anger at the club. Uh, personally, I, on cold reflection, I think Pochettino is, is, is doing something that's just not okay. And like he's someone who had us believe that he believed in football rivalries. He was big on this kind of thing. And now he's looking likely to go and do one of the things that he talked about never doing, like the whole Espanyol Barcelona stuff he talked about. I don't know. I, I, I get it. I understand that there aren't that many top jobs in world football, but there are enough. There are enough to keep a guy like Pochettino employed for the rest of his career without him going to Arsenal or Chelsea. No need to mention West Ham because they're... Irrelevant. Irrelevant, exactly. Um, Nathan, any thoughts? I mean, I, I feel the same way as you. Um, obviously, yeah, I guess there's just like a cultural measure of perspective here that, that it just it just does matter um, to, to to English Spurs fans, I guess. I don't really know the, the nuances uh, um, of Americans seem mostly fine with it also, interestingly. Interesting. Okay. Well, you know, American franchises move across hundreds of thousands of miles <laughs> and keep the same name, right? So that's like... <laughs> <laughs> Vardy is 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 uh gesticulating, doing an impression of me firing shots, which is which is what I'm doing. Um, to to address to address Dylan's point exactly, then I will say that um he says uh we sacked him, which is uh, and we don't want him back, which is true in the sense that the hierarchy of the club did those things, yeah, yeah, right. But the fans to whom he he owes a relationship, the fans are singing his name worsening in his name until the last week yeah the fans have an enduring relationship with Pochettino and it's it's to the fans and not to Daniel Levy and not to um the board or the company um that that his relationship exists and it's to the fans that he he owed not going to Chelsea as well as not going to Arsenal mm, well said we've got some questions about um Ryan Mason why not Ryan Mason but I'm gonna I'm gonna dangle that carrot for next week. I think that's something we will address next week. So I mentioned um, a couple of times that we did the the live Q and A pod in midweek. Uh, also, I recorded a lovely conversation with Alex Stoyle, who is a fantastic sports psychologist. You would have heard him before. Uh, it'll be out on the main feed. The bonus episode. Whenever we put out a bonus episode they tend to not get the same number of listens. And I'm wondering if it's something to do with the way pod, some podcast apps uh, bring up the, the bonus episodes in the, in their feed. So all I would say is um, 
aside from the poor audio quality, and that was my fault, I apologise, Nathan, the chat with Alex Stoyle is a must-listen. It's, it's great stuff. He's brilliant. So make sure you, you go away and, and listen to that episode uh, once you listen to this. You have been listening to The Extra Inch with me, Windy, my sidekick and best friend, Barley, and our tactics guy, Nathan If you like this, there's plenty more at patreon.com forward slash The Extra Inch. Production is by Nathan A. Clark. Our logo, artwork and website are designed by Trayton Miller. Our music is by David Lindmer. You can find him on Instagram at David Lindmer. Do check him out. He's great. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Extra Inch. Email us at podcast at theextrainch.co.uk. Subscribe, leave us a rating and a review. And most importantly, be sure to tell all of your Spurs friends. Shout out to the X-Sub, we love every single last one of you. And of course, come on you Spurs. Thank you.